So we are continuing this uh, message series that we have uh, started several weeks ago. We are in week five. In fact, we are rounding down this letter as we've been going through uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter of, the, of the, the letter of Galatians. But just last week, before we jump into the message for today, last week I extended a challenge to you. And, and as I said, we have today and then next week we're finishing Galatians. The week after that, we are starting our Christmas series. Okay? And it is the Christmas season. Again, we are in the holidays, right? We are here. And, and, and during the holiday season, I know it's a busy time and it's a time where we have all kinds of stuff pulling us in lots of different directions. But the Advent season, right, the, the season of, of waiting, and that's even what Advent is, is excitedly, you know, an anticipation for the Christ child, right? And so as we enter the, the Advent season, I just, uh, one, just encourage you to be here with us, okay, through the Christmas season as we, um, you know, all those weeks leading up, we kind of go through the Advent candles and all of the you know, the Christmas story and look at, at why we celebrate Christmas. And, and yet the, the challenge I gave you last week, right, was to just write down one name and think of one name to be praying for that person and praying for opportunities to invite somebody to come with you this Christmas season to church. And we do have, again, some, some special things throughout the Christmas season. We'll have our kids are going to um, sing songs one Sunday. And we'll have Christmas Eve services. We have a little different schedule this year as Christmas Day is on Sunday morning. And so we're going all in on Christmas Eve, and we're doing our Christmas Eve services that. And then on Christmas morning, we're just going to have, we're going to post an online video for you to be able to worship with your families. Um, but we're not having services on that day, okay? Because like I said, we're going all in on Christmas Eve. And so with that said, is I just encourage you to be praying for that person, right? The person you're going to um, invite to come with you through this Christmas season. And that's the challenge, right? To be praying for them, not just for them to come to church, but pray for the opportunities to have spiritual conversations, opportunities to show them who God is through your life and your conversations and interactions with them. And as we, um, as we prepare for that, right, just continue to pray, because like I said, we have Next Sunday, right, as we finish Galatians, and then the Sunday after that is where we start with the first, uh, first week of that series. And again, the series is going to be titled Away in a Manger, um, and we're just going to walk our way through the different kind of characters of the Christmas story, and, and as we see hope and love and, and all the things that come with the Christmas season. So this morning, um, as I said, we're continuing in Galatians chapter 5. Um, and we've been walking our way through the letter. Um, this morning is, um, if you might have noticed on your outline, if you, if you got one of those, you see that um, we have the shortest passage that have covered this entire series, right? Because as we get to the end of the letter, we um, only have half of chapter five we're going to cover today. And what we're going to look at is, uh, is Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Galatians 5. Um, if you're uh, here with us in person and don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use. You'll notice the page numbers included in the outline of where you can find it in those Bibles. If you're with us online, we're glad to have you as well. You can grab your Bible and follow along. Um, but just open up to the Galatians 5 and just kind of leave it open. And just As always, we're going to kind of go back to it a few different times today. But um, again, this is a, a shorter passage, but this is, is an incredibly powerful passage. Which is why I wanted to leave it a shorter one there today. And I just want to start with the very first verse, Galatians 5, verse 16, okay, where it says, so I say, to, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And I just want to start with that one verse. I mean, this verse, again, is, is a powerful verse in itself. 
And if you've been with us, we've gone through the study of this, we know that Paul wrote this letter in response right, to a false teaching that had crept its way into the churches in Galatia. Paul was a missionary, he traveled around, he preached the gospel to the Gentiles, and as people found Christ and received him as their Savior, then he started these churches in these communities. And then what you do is he, these churches would get established, he'd raise up some leaders there, and then he would move on to a new community and, and plant another church and, and, and trust those leaders for them to grow. And, and what had happened in Galatia was there were these other Christian Jewish missionaries that followed after Paul left and came into this church and started giving them this false teaching saying, hey, that's great that you've following Jesus, right? And, 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 but now as Gentiles, they were telling them, but now you need to live under the Jewish law. And, and that was the false teaching that had crept its way in. And, and we've seen through the letter, as we've looked through the first four and a half chapters, right, as Paul has defended himself and his own teaching, defended the true gospel, right, and, and warned them about these false teachings and about um, being careful of what teachings you follow and, and always go back, right, and, and check up on who you listen to of, of what is the truth of Scripture. And don't be led astray. Right, by a false teaching or, or a false version of the gospel. Again, we've seen it here as the main um, again, definition of the true gospel, as Paul's defended the true gospel of it is we are saved by grace, not by works. Right, and we've seen this theme go over and over again and again. And we see, though, how, how real this is. And even, even in Evan's video, he talked about it, right? About how we have to have a good understanding of, of faith and works and how those interact. But know that we are not saved by works. In fact, we can never be good enough or do enough good to save ourselves. And that is the foundation of the gospel, right? That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus was sent to this earth to die in our place, and then resurrect on the third day, right, as the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sin, meaning to pay the price for our sins. And, and so this verse, as we see that, right, that's how we join the journey of faith, is we, we believe that Jesus was the Son of God. We believe that he was the Messiah, that it has been prophesied in the Old Testament, that, that he, he was 100% God and 100% man, lived that sinless life, died on the cross, rose again on the third day so that we can be saved. And we believe that, and then we invite Jesus into our lives right? and confess our sin and be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb as we live now in this new covenant of grace. And that's how we join the journey of faith. Right? And again, if you're here today, or if you're watching online, and if you've never joined the journey of faith, then that's where you start, right? is surrendering yourself to Jesus and inviting him into your life. And now once you do that, once you join the journey of faith, then we start to grow in our faith, right? We move in a new direction in our lives. And that's what this verse, verse 16, is describing. He says that's the next step. After you receive Christ, then you let the Holy Spirit guide you. And when you receive Christ as your Savior, that's when you receive the Holy Spirit in your life. That scripture tells us in this new covenant of grace, right, that the Holy Spirit lives in the heart of every believer. And now that's then the challenge, right, that we have to then wrestle with. And that's a part of the, the daily Christian life and how we grow in our faith is, is how then do I let the Holy Spirit guide me? Right, and how do I move forward in my faith and, and become more holy tomorrow than I am today? Right, and how do I leave my sinful nature behind and let, let again, that be just 
washed out of my life. And that's a process, right? The reality is we can pray and receive Christ and we gain, we gain our salvation at that moment, right? We get the Holy Spirit, but then it's a process of us being transformed by that Spirit, right? And leaving that old life behind. And, you know, it's one of the awesome things about baptism. That's part of the symbolism of it is, is how you go into the water as your old self and come out of the water as your new self in Christ, right? And yet, as we learn here, right, if, as he says, now you let the Holy Spirit guide your life and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, but then he dives deeper into this idea, right, into this chapter. The next two verses, in verses 17 and 18, he, he lets us know, right, that the next step of this is realizing that there is an, an internal battle going on in every believer. There's an internal battle going on in every believer. Like I said, he, he tells us this in verses 17 and 18. So again, go back to your Bibles if you still have them open. Okay, verse, starting at verse 17, he says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Again, he, he described, right, this internal battle that is happening in every believer. And, and again, as he presents this concept, right, this idea of, again, this is not a salvation concept. This is a growing in your faith concept. This is a discipleship issue. And that is when good works come in. Again, as we saw in, in the last weeks, right, that good works are important to our faith. But the, the why we do good works is completely different as a follower of Jesus than it is versus trying to earn our salvation, right? We do good works because we are saved, right? We do good works out of obedience for God to fulfill his, his purpose for our lives, right? To serve him and glorify him, to build his kingdom, not ours, right? All things we've already learned from the letter. And this is, again, a, a huge concept, right, that he summarizes in just these few verses, in fact, if you look in some of Paul's other writings in the book of Romans, in fact, he dives really deep into this concept. In fact, all of Romans chapter 7 and 8 is about this exact issue. And so again, if you have time, I encourage you to go back, read Romans 7 and 8 this week. In fact, if you go to one of our sermon follow-up small groups this week, you're, you're going to do that. You're going to dive into that text, right, and read Romans 7 and 8. But as we think about this concept, though, I, I, I want to kind of move on today as we dive into this, again, powerful passage into these next verses. But before we do that, I just wanted to share this story that I think illustrates this internal battle very well. Hey, this, this story was uh, originated with Billy Graham in 1978. Hey, and now since then, there's uh, many different variations all over the place. But I think this story summarizes Paul's point very well in these few verses. And the story goes like this. It says, One evening, an elderly grandfather told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. My dear one, the battle between two wolves is inside us all. One is evil, and it's, it's anger, it's envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other wolf is good. 
It's joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the grandson looked at his grandfather in deep thought and asked him, so which wolf wins? And the old man replied, the one that you feed. The one you feed. Whichever wolf you feed is the one that's going to win. Right? And when we think about this concept, right, this, this idea right, of these, this internal battle that's going on inside every believer. Again, Paul, even in this letter, he, he dives into this concept. In fact, in the very next verses, verses 19 through 21, um, Paul describes right, the acts of the flesh, of the sinful nature. Okay, verses 19 through 21, he says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's quite a list, isn't it? <laughs> right? And not only is that quite a list, it's an open-ended list, right? He doesn't even resolve it. I mean, he's like... And it continues on. Right? The, the, the acts of the flesh, they're obvious, he says. And yet he also gives us the results of following the sinful nature. If we feed that wolf, he says the results right, will be death. Evil desires and sin are taking you on a journey towards death. As he says, right, in this verse, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we say it's leading us towards death. It, it, it's not, this is not talking about physical death. In fact, when we look at Scripture, Scripture describes two different kinds of deaths. Okay, there is a physical death, right, where our bodies wear out and we, they stop working, right, and they, they, we die. Right, that's our physical death. What, what this is describing is your spiritual death, the death of your soul. In fact, when we read in Romans, it says the wages of sin is death. That's the death it's talking about. Right? Even as a believer, we will still physically die, right? Our bodies still wear out, still get sick, right? It's not about physical death. It's about your spiritual death. He says we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's presence, Right, in fact, that's what makes heaven so good, right? And when you look at the descriptions of heaven in Scripture, it's, it's God's unhindered presence in heaven. Right? And that's why even the streets can be made of gold and nobody even cares because gold it just isn't, doesn't even matter compared to God's presence. Right? In fact, it says in Scripture that the descriptions of heaven says that there's not even a sun in heaven because God's presence is the light. Because there's so much of God's presence, we don't need any other light, right? And again, that's, that is, is life because God is the giver of life, right? We were created in God's image. He breathed life into our bodies. God is the source of life, which means if you take God away, what you're left with is Right? And that's what this is describing, right? And he's saying, if you live this way, right, these acts of the flesh, this sinful nature, will take you down the road 
that leads to death. To your spiritual death. To complete separation from God. Right? That's what hell is. Is complete separation from God. Because the reality is, even in this world today, even if you deny that God exists, does not change the fact that God exists. And does not change the fact that there is a presence of God in our world today. Now, it's, it's a hindered presence. It's not like in heaven where it's an unhindered presence, right? But, but we still have God's presence. And, and that's, again, why we even have life today. And you see, as he continues on, right, through this letter, is he describes though, the other side of the coin. Right? And these next verses are very famous verses. They're very powerful verses. Right? As he describes what a life led by the Spirit will truly be. Hey, verses 19, or 22 and 23, where he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Now, as we read these verses, right, I mean, this is the, right, the, the, we already saw the dark side of the coin. Now we flip it over and we see the light side of the coin. Right? We see the life-giving part. Right, of life with the Spirit. And he's saying, this is what the Spirit will bring into your life. And, and again, the results of following the Holy Spirit, when you're living in the Spirit, the, and, and you're doing those good deeds that want you, it will take you on a journey towards Christ. Again, when you talk about joining the journey, that's what happens when you receive Christ. Is literally, you turn around and you start going a different direction. Right? Instead of your back to God and, and being, you know, going away from God, you turn around and you start on a new journey that goes towards God. And, and, and as you are transformed by that, by the Holy Spirit, right, and you make new steps in your faith journey, you become more and more like Christ. Okay, the, the theological term for this process is called holiness or sanctification. And the, the more you walk with Christ, the more you learn, the more you obey, the more you start to do life the way that God shows you to do life, the more like Christ you become, which means the more holy you become. Right? And that's what our faith journey is about, is growing in that faith. And that's where we find true life. Right? And that's what Paul's described in his letter about being set free from the law. Right? In fact, he says there, there's no law against this stuff because if you live with Christ and be transformed by the Holy Spirit, then this is what comes out of your life. And when that happens, you don't even have to worry about the law. Right? Because all your, your deeds and works and attitudes, all those things just work themselves out. You just focus on living life by the Spirit and being transformed by the Holy Spirit. There is no law against these things. And now when we look at these two sides of this coin, right, we realize that the world tends to focus on actions above character. But God does the opposite. Okay, the world tends to focus on actions above character. But God does the opposite. Again, just look at our world. Right? You don't have to look any further than professional sports to see how true this is. Right? Because we focus on gift and talents, not on character. Right? How many times have we seen, again, moral failures or the, the train wreck that the personal lives are of professional athletes? And yet, as a culture, we look the other way because they're good at football or they're good at baseball or they're good at golf or they're good at whatever. Right? Again, gifts and talents right, are way more important than character to our world, but God does the opposite. Right? And notice in this passage, right, this, these, these two passages we looked at, the sinful nature versus the fruits of the Spirit. 
The sinful nature list is mostly actions. Hey, but the this Holy Spirit list are, are character traits. And the world focuses on actions, and yet God looks at the character. In fact, we see this concept all through Scripture in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Right, way back in the Old Testament, it says, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right, when you look at Scripture, everything we're told to do, it's always about our heart. It's always about our heart. Right? And our, if our heart is right, then our actions will follow. Right now, as we see this idea, this concept, we, um, again, I put this, this on, your, on, on your outline, again, this reference, because this passage in Matthew chapter 7, and we don't have time to go into it today, but again, I encourage you to look at it. This is the words of Jesus, actually, that connects these character traits with the right teachers. In fact, in this passage, Jesus says you will you can judge a tree by its fruit. Right, he says only, you know, only learn from a good tree, right? And a good tree will only produce good fruit, which is the fruits of the Spirit. And a bad tree will only produce bad fruit. Right, and again, Jesus connects character and actions right, in this passage. But as we, as we move on from this, okay, we see these last three verses I want to cover today are verses 24 through 26. Okay, and in these verses, okay, we are given three things to do to produce this good fruit in our life. Okay, as a follower of Jesus, as a saved person, I've been transformed by God's Spirit as a part of my journey, then these are some things we should do right, that will help us to move forward. Again, not to earn my salvation, but to do it because of my salvation. Okay, Galatians 5, verse 24. He tells us in this verse, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Okay, so action step number one to produce good fruit in your life is crucify your sinful passions and desires on the cross. Okay, now what that means, again, crucify means put them to death. Okay, now with each of these steps he gives us here, there's also a challenge that comes with it. Okay, because again, he says, take your sinful nature, right, anything that you've done, right, that's on that other list, that first list, and he says, and you put it on the cross. Okay, because, and that's symbolic of saying, Jesus paid the price for that. Okay, and he's giving you forgiveness for that action, right, for that sin. Okay, and he says, put it on the cross, crucify it there. But the biggest challenge in this step is not putting it on the cross, is not giving it to God. The challenge is to leave it there, <laughs> right? Because that's what we tend to do, right? Is we, we confess it, we give it to God, and then we just take it right back off the cross, and we still take all the shame and the guilt and, and everything that goes with it, right? The biggest challenge, and again, he says, crucify it, kill it, and leave it there. Leave it on the shoulders of Jesus, because by his wounds, you are healed. All right, put it on the cross and leave it there. And then you move forward in a new direction. Okay, the next verse, okay, verse 25. He says, since we are living by the Spirit, then let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Again, verse 25, action step. Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life. Again, the challenge in this one, right, is I'll give God that part, but I'll keep this one for myself. I know I'm getting close to home, all right. But again, don't get mad at me. Get mad at the scripture, okay? I didn't write it. 
They, you know, every part of our life, right? Every part. The biggest challenge of this, right, is not holding anything back from God. Right? My marriage, my family, my job, my community, my church. Right? Every part of your life. Don't hold anything back. And then the, the last thing, the third action step in verse 26, he says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And again, I, I look at this and, and just, I summarize this verse, right, of the action step of being to be a functioning member of God's body, the church. Because remember, this letter was not written to non-believers. This letter was written to the church. Yeah. And, and again, so many times, right, in the church, we get this wrong, don't we? We hold grudges, we point fingers at other people, we get upset about different stuff, right? And, and, and we lose focus off of Christ and off of doing the first two things. In fact, the biggest challenge with this one, with the church in general, is that sometimes people are hard to get along with. And why are they hard to get along with? Well, because the church is made up of people. And because we're people, we struggle with the first two steps, Right? And when we struggle with the first two steps, then we have to be reminded of the last step, right? Is be a functioning member of God's body, the church. There's no perfect church, including Faith Journey. We are not a perfect church. <laughs> We're made up of people. But we, if we do what these verses say, right, we will be a lot closer if we're all striving for that, right, to represent Christ in all we do. If you do this, I want to give you my final thought this morning, and that's this, Romans 8, 12 through 14, which is, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And I just encourage you, embrace that identity. As a follower of Jesus, you are his child. Right? And, and embrace that identity. Lord God, we thank you so much for your love. God, we thank you, Lord, that you have set us free by your spirit, God, from the power of sin and death. God, we thank you, Lord, that we are no longer a slave to sin. We are no longer a slave to the law. But, Lord, we are living life by your spirit. And, God, I pray, Lord, that first, if we have not done that to anyone here, Lord, that does not know you as a personal Savior. God, that they will take that step. Lord, they will pray and they will receive you into their life, invite you, Lord, to forgive their sins, to confess, to receive your spirit, surrender their life to you. And God, I pray, Lord, for, for those that have done that, God, that they will pursue you every day. God, that they will be made more holy by your spirit. But by making that choice every day, I will live by the Spirit, and I will fight the battle. I will feed the right wolf. God, as we go this week, I pray, Lord, that you would guide us in our faith, that we will be obedient to you, God, that you will open conversations, that we will shine your light in this dark world, God, that we will show everyone who you are by our lives and our faith. God, that we will live out being your church every day. Lord, we praise you for saving us. We thank you for transforming us. We thank you for setting us free. And Lord, as we go this week, help us to live as free children of the one true 
holy God. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. Guide us as we go. Amen.